I'm back. I'm back now. Can you hear me? Hey! <laughs> Thank everybody for coming back. It's a, it's a, I, a guest here. You would think it, it anybody disrupting the entire profession can can handle a little bit of you know a couple of minutes of uh, transition. Well, we're like ten minutes. <laughs> she was probably freaking out right before the show. Uh-huh. Not sure. There, there was there was some pretty big buildup today. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, bam, <laughs> the balloon popped. She's absolutely relieved right now. Maybe the last thing she's going to do is call into this phone, this uh-huh. show. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Does anybody think I'm right? Let's do I it. knew today was the wrong day to start drinking early. <laughs> Stop. Oh, stop you know I get a bit edgy. Can you hear me? You were just talking about me, so I felt that I must try and jump in. All How right. are you guys? Hey, Animal. Okay, yeah. if you can hold on just a second. This is Jerry, the recruiter in Indiana. Hi, Jerry. How's it going? Good. Going we're not sure well. what How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. We, we had a little technical snafu there. Uh, Animal had some uh, issues with his something, something, something. Next thing you know, here we are. Starting again, it's 1223. Animal. Is, so he now we lost Animal? <laughs> we must have lost him again. Okay, tell us about yourself. Let's let's start there. Who are you and uh, what's the story? Um, so my name is Marina Bejanova. Um, I know that Animal had a bit of a struggle with my Ukrainian last name. Um, I co-founded a headhunting firm called Pronexia in uh, Montreal four and a half years ago. Super. In, we're expanding into Vancouver uh, this summer, um, and um, yeah, I was I was excited to chat with uh, with Animal about um, company culture and about uh, about our firm a little bit as well. Awesome. So, so uh, he has notes we can't get to, of course. But uh, <laughs> what what do you, what, is, what are the basics? I mean, do you do retain? Do you do con- contingent? Do you do contract staffing? What industry? What do you what do you stick in? We work on permanent positions only, so we do absolutely uh, no temporary staffing, no contracts at all. Um, our focus as far as industries is uh, quite a bit across the board. We do a little bit of tech, we do sales, um, operations. Uh, we do very minimal retainer now that um, in the past few months we started focusing um, a bit more on executive search. Um, and also one thing that we do is uh, we partner up with some of our smaller clients, a lot of the startups. Um, to we sign them on um, on one-year contracts and handle all of their recruitment. Um, so it's kind of retainer, but they pay um, a fee, a fixed fee every month for oh, a service. Sure. So what is the what is the thing, Jerry? You don't feel my doing this. You want to change the face in the industry. What does that mean? Um, it's 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 metaphorical as far as the actual face. Um, but how the company started is um, I was working for a big box um, staffing agency. Um, and, you know, with time, I, I, I kind of grew tired um, of the bad reputation that recruiters have, um, a reputation that's very well deserved. Um, and I wanted to show that you can have a successful and profitable firm with recruiters who are honest and who have integrity, um, who are not purely money-driven, and who actually, you know, give a shit about candidates, about job seekers. So isn't it really, though, Marina, uh, better for us to have the majority of recruiters just more or less sucking? I mean, isn't that what we want so we can then outshine our competitors 
much more easily rather than change our industry and have us all do great things. How about we leave them to their own uh, bad devices and we stick with doing the right thing and kick their ass? No, I actually, I, I care about job seekers. Um, so, of course, it's better for me. You know, as soon as we get a foot in the door with our clients, we're exclusive uh, with about 90% of our clients, uh, which is kind of um, unheard of in, in our industry, at least in Montreal. Um, so, yes, from the business um, side, pure, you know, called business money side, absolutely. Um, but, but I care about job seekers and um, constantly hearing, you know, stories of not getting feedback, uh, of being treated like garbage, um, mm-hmm. of being, you know, completely made redundant. Um, I find that it sucks, and I really, I really want to see a change. So, you you get perfect feedback for all of your candidates, and you're able to tell them exactly what what the client did wrong or didn't Absolutely want for them. Absolutely not perfect, um, and um, you know we we strive to be better, and um, you know every year. Um, what we but what do is that? Is, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Let me go animal. What does that mean? Strive to be better. Yeah, what we do actually do disengage um, from a lot of clients. We fire a lot of clients. Um, so clients who do not ah. give feedback, um, clients who, you know, stall and uh, leave candidates hanging, uh, we disengage from them. So we try as much as possible to collaborate with clients who also care about candidate experience and uh, and actually provide feedback after interviews. So it's not perfect, far, far from perfect. So how but do you then, Marina, how do you share feedback that really is negative? Let's let's say that your customer says, "Hey, don't don't tell her this," but she was really just not a. She didn't present herself well. Um, she, I don't know if she brushed her teeth. It was like a really awkward thing. She wouldn't look me in the eye. She was just kind of looking around the room. She it was just very odd and weird, and kind of freakish. What would you tell the candidate? Uh, yeah, we've heard. We've heard that, you know, more more than once. I think as recruiters, we hear all of those stories. We had yeah, a candidate sure in an interview who started removing her contact lenses uh, while being interviewed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that kind and, of stuff. And we didn't skip a beat while answering the question. So freaky happens all the time. Um, no, we don't necessarily share the detailed feedback and tell why. Honestly, um, I can't say that candidates often want to know, you know, the, the detailed feedback and do get defensive. But at the very least, what we do is we, we tell them when they're not retained. Uh, we tell them that they're not in the running. Um, we don't, you know, I was reading an article today and it was saying, um, well, you know, if you want to get feedback from a recruiter, then be proactive and reach out. And I think that's that's bullshit. I think it's for recruiters to reach out and say, hey, you're not in the running anymore. Okay, so then to... Uh, well, Marina, I got yeah, a hold question. on a second. So really then, what you're saying, get feedback from a recruiter is to find out that they didn't get the job. That's the that's the clear feedback that you feel is missing in the in the recruiting world. Not the honest feedback, just you didn't get the job. <laughs> Jerry's yes, right on. And let's let's go one what? step further. If you really care about candidates, aren't you gonna tell this person that they've got all those problems that Jerry mentioned? Um, we will share feedback as to problems that a candidate might have that we observed in an interview. Um, we have to be, you know, sensitive to our clients asking not to mention specific things. Same as if the candidate asks us not to mention specific things to the client, we won't. So um, there is some confidentiality. Okay. Well, then, Marina. Unfortunately, we're left with the simple fact that this is the same thing that we're all doing. Nobody wants <laughs> to say, "Hey, you're, 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 you're." you're Nobody wants to say the stuff that we know are the real reasons why the candidate didn't get the job. So we just say, hey, it was a close call, but they went with somebody else. Sorry, 
We'll keep you in mind for anything else that we come up with. Bam! You know, You're never going to call them back. And most candidates, and it's over 70%, I was reading the stats, get zero news as to where they stand in the process. So that's, if you do... Hold on, hold on. Is that internal party? Is that third? Wait a second. That's corporate. Can you hear me? Can you guys hear me? That's got to be the corporate folks who are absolutely blasted because a candidate will apply to 100 places. Everybody pretend like we can't hear Animal because the show's going pretty well. Okay, go ahead Already. I don't care. I blew Marina, my Marina, I don't believe that 70% of the candidates that go to an interview through an agency are left never yeah, knowing possible. whether they got yeah, the job or not. That can't happen. Marina, you have to talk louder. Uh, Stephen G. Davis says he's having I don't believe it's 7%. It might be 70% of people that send their resume into an ATS black hole. No, right. I'm talking about people who have been interviewed, and I can tell you that... <laughs> When I've worked for a bigger, you know, big box agency, it, it was the norm. The only people that got news, whether or not they were still in the running, were the people still in the running. No. What places did you work at prior to starting your own firm? Because it's possible that you just got a really terrible firm. It's possible. I've never, I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen that, terrible you know, ones all over the place. I've never seen anybody like that. Thing, Clients that I'm doing would say the same thing. If I'm wrong, I would be only happy and thrilled um, to know that candidates are getting some sort of a better service than, than they really are. Yeah, well, you're wrong. better service means well, hey, you're out, out, and I can't too. tell you That's why. That's the bizarre thing. They're not paying for anything. What what service right. are they owed? Exactly. That's different. If, we're, if we care about them, shouldn't we be training them to get jobs or calling on their behalf? You find out someone stinks at interviewing, do you bring them in and coach them and prep them and teach them how to interview? We don't. Or take a smaller fee, say take a 5% fee to give someone a chance? We don't. I mean, we, we don't care about fees. I know we don't. Um, we only place people who are, you know, the best of the best. We do a lot of headhunting, um, more so than taking in ads. So, so, no, we don't do that. But I think that with people that you are dealing with, you mentioned, you know, if they're not paid, why should they be getting service? And I hear that all the time, and I find it, I find it unfortunate. I'm sorry. Marina, I'm going to agree you, with you what there. Service are you, what service are you providing? This is what I don't understand, other than just talking to them. Customer service. I mean, because we should be filtering um, you know, people when you're we interview anyway, so with these aren't directs. You want to be treated as a human being. Um, you know, and um, again, I saw, I can send you the stats that I found, but I saw that, um, you know, more than half of job seekers feel that they're not treated like human beings in the process. You know, that much for human resources. Um, it's, well, that's it's, corporate. It's, that's why they have to hire us and pay that's big corporate. fees. That's corporate. Jimmy's right. That's corporate. We Go have ahead. a lot of corporate happening. A lot of corporate have a huge part of market share. Yeah, but yeah they do the majority of hiring. You're not, you're not any different from other headhunters. You're not any different from any recruiters, at least from what I've heard. I tuned in late, as everybody knows. And, and, and we agree guys, with you. You should treat people like human beings, and you should speak with them, but I just don't understand what's different. I, yeah, I disagree that being... At least in our market in Montreal, and I find it unfortunate. I find it embarrassing, wow. but it is a point of differentiation. You know, we come, um, people come to us um, to tell us that they've gotten jobs when it's not for, from us, um, and they said, you know, you made the process more human and less stressful huh. just by treating me as a human being. Um, of course, it shouldn't mean? be a point of differentiation. Like a human it should being. be normal. I, no, I it should be standard, it. but mean? in the majority of cases, it's not. So... I, I've, I've switched now that I do retain. I spend a lot more time with my candidates. Hold on. Did, you, did you hold your pinky out control. when you said that, Durbin? Yes. Because <laughs> okay. now that I work with higher level stuff, there's okay, a there lot you of go. difference. You can't afford to do great? that if you're making $1,000 a person. On 40 of course you can, but then you talk to less people. So isn't the math behind it that the recruiters who can't do the job are the ones who have 
the least ability to spend time on someone because they're trying to churn enough folks through? So is this a, is this a math problem that we're addressing? It's or, a management problem. I think it's a leadership people. problem. And it's a problem of structure. If you don't have enough people to do a proper job, then hire more people. Um, we do a minimal number of uh, routine searches. It's mostly contingency. Um, as I mentioned, we started working on executive search, but a lot of it is, you know, mid-level and some lower-level positions as well. Um, so we, we pump out a lot of volume, but, uh, you know, you can still stay human throughout. I don't understand. Michael had a good point. Human. Let's define human. What is human? Human, I will tell you, um, when a person comes in for an interview, um, they want to, you know, be greeted um, in a way that's not, you know, off-putting. I've been to interviews. I've, I've gone to recruitment firms when I was fresh out of university um, 10 years ago. Um, and you come in, you know, they hardly make eye contact with you. You know, they just shove the form at you. They put you in testing for three to four hours that is completely irrelevant to, to your search. Um, so, so even that, all those little things, um, you're following up, no one responds to your email, no one responds to your voicemail call. Um, if you're not retained for a position, you're, you're probably not even going to find out. Um, so are the those jobs for that, admin people? Hold on a sec. Are those jobs for admin people? What kind of jobs are, are those? Or like, would you be or for drafts? I was looking for a marketing or? job um, when I was out of university. Um, what kind of and, testing um, did they give? You? What kind of testing were they giving you? I had to do grammar testing, English and French, and we're in Montreal. Uh, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and I even had to do a data entry test. <gasps> oh my goodness. Okay, so that's kind of far removed from executive headhunting, recruiting, where you've got a one-on-one -on -one relationship at the point your candidate goes in for an interview. They're expecting that you're going to tell them they got the job, they didn't get the job, they are going back for a second. I mean, it's part of the cycle of what we do. So I find it almost impossible in our business to not tell somebody they didn't get the job after the interview. I've, I can't Even imagine if you go that. down a level. Not if you want to work with them again. Admins. I mean, I know the folks who run those, Express Employment and right. OKM and other ones. They, and they so you go in there, you fill out your typist uh, application, and they put it on file, and then, and then you never hear from them. That's not leaving a candidate hanging. That's not treating them as a human. That's, we'll call you if we need you. Yeah. But what if the person calls you to follow up, and then you don't reply, you don't acknowledge the call, you don't acknowledge the email? That's, yeah, you should. You should. You should certainly acknowledge the email and the phone call. Sure. Mm -hmm. But having a lot of every happens. candidate that sent a note to me, just, I'd never get anything done. Is this just a case? I disagree. Of, well, I'll tell you what. You can answer my phone Somebody calling the entire <laughs> industry horrible and, and 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 just saying that just making things up. What? I didn't hear you. You were breaking up. Neither did I. Sorry. I guess we're trying to figure out the next question you're talking about. Do you, do you think that the IT folks are having this problem, or do you think a CEO search is the, are these issues, or are we talking about light industrial weld? I mean, who who are the people that are not getting phone calls in return? I mean, that's the question. What, what is this category that's out there? Because if that were the case, it would be, it'd be a lot worse than it is. We'd make a lot yeah. more money. But then, guys, I have a question for you. Why do you think, if you think that candidates do get feedback and do, treat it, do get treated, you know, in a normal human way, um, then why do recruiters have such a shitty reputation? What do you attribute it to? Because we, we have the a fact 2 to 500% turnover because we bring people in and don't train them. And those yeah, are the that could be a lot of those. Time. Time. 
But what does that mean? But but why do candidates, why do job seekers... I also think that it's part of us. We're the ones going around saying what bad reputations recruiters have. I don't have a bad reputation. I've got a great reputation. I hear it from clients and candidates all the time. Um, I joined an entrepreneurial group um, a few months ago. Yep. It's, it's, it's a large international entrepreneurs organization. I hear it all the time. Every time I introduce myself and I, and I say I work in recruitment, um, I get a bit of a look. It's, it ain't cool um, to work in recruitment, and I think it's unfortunate. So Let's think of all the people time. that you'll interview. How many people does it, would you talk to for a specific job, and then how many of those people get the job? So you're calling someone, you're selling them, you're digging into them, and you can't place all of them. There's just no way for you to place all of them that you're talking to unless you're very, very, very niche. So by definition, you're not helping most people. You're interfering. You're getting their hope up. Absolutely. Now, it doesn't take many of those to not like you and to complain about how a recruiter didn't work. Disagree with you again. It's kind of like and, the description and, and, of bosses. As I said, um, the most uh, valuable feedback that I've ever gotten from job seekers and now my consultants get is from people who didn't get a job through us but took the time to send in an email um, to share they had and, and to thank us for our time. And we get it all the, the time, most, which, is, which is incredible and humbling and extremely rewarding. Money. Yeah, the money. Here, here's the problem, I think. I, we understand the idea of treating people normal. I mean, that's just basic solving problems. Mm-hmm. The idea that somehow that the quality of the customer experience for people you're not placing as a recruiter is the definition of good, we know lots of those people. Most of those people are no longer recruiters. So we're getting blamed for people who couldn't stay in the industry because they they don't understand their role. Our role is to solve the problems of employers hiring candidates because they're both bad at it. That's why we get yelled at. You know what? They could do the the job themselves. They wouldn't have to pay us 25%. Our 50% markup. So clearly the issue is not just us. It's recruiting and hiring is hard. The other problem is that ignorant people talk to too many people. You need to know who you're calling and call relevant people and have good conversations and set things properly. Like the problem with a lot of people is they're doing, you know, they're having every hourly worker come in and take a typing test and, you know, to follow up with a bunch of people you're not going to work with. I mean, sometimes you're making calculated decisions, too. This guy is really high maintenance. I don't care if he dislikes me and never calls again because he wastes a lot of my time and takes money away from my family. So some of those are calculated decisions, and those are the same people who roll their eyes when you you meet them at a mixer. You can't please everybody, and and if you go around trying to please everybody, you're taking money out of your 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 family's pocket, which that is. I don't think it's a matter of pleasing everybody, and and I mean at the end of the day it's just semantics. But I don't think it's about pleasing. Um, I think it's about um, you know treating people the way you would want to be treated if you were on the job market. Um, you know, as I mentioned, one of the things that we do is we we fire a lot of clients, and it's an extremely competitive market. But uh, we select who we work with, and we disengage from a lot of searches. Can you tell us that's a pretty cool thing? That's a major problem that a lot of us don't do. That's a pretty fair thing, wouldn't you say, Animal? Not firing bad clients. I'd like to hear examples, Jim. I'd like to hear a story. 
I'd love to share a story. Um, Actually, our first client that we fired, um, because now it's easier. We're doing well, and, you know, the company is growing. Now now it's easy to be selective. Um, The first client we fired um, was two months into the existence of Pronexia. Um, I was sharing a very small office with our co-founder. We were desperate for some cash. We were desperate for some clients. Um, And uh, we landed, actually, my my, my partner landed as a huge account, um, big telecom provider, and they asked us to help them staff their call center. So they're... To, to hire a whole bunch of sales reps for a training class, um, which we did. And we went to visit their office, amazing, huge campus, laundry on site, just every port you can imagine. Um, we placed a whole bunch of people. We were excited. We were rolling. Um, a couple of weeks in, uh, one of the people that we placed called me. Um, she had gotten fired that day. Um, so that happened. Um, she, was, she was really upset. I asked her why she was that upset. Um, and so what happened was she walked into the training class, she sat down, um, the manager walked in, asked her to come out um, in the hallway, um, said, you're fired, out, get your stuff, get out. She had to do the walk of shame of walking back into the class with everyone staring, what's going on, picking up her backpack and, uh, and leaving in front of everyone. Um, I felt that that was humiliating, and I felt that it could have been done in a very different way, um, and uh, we fired this client. Um, they were impressed with the fact, um, they asked us, they called us back, and uh, they asked us if we would work on their um, more of the higher-level searches, managers and directors. Um, and uh, we said no again, and we told them that if that's how you treat people at, at lower levels, your entry-level positions, um, then, then that's just your company culture. That's how you are. Um, and we walked away from, from a lot of money and a lot of profit, um, and, and we continue to do that. So when you actually fire a client, do you tell them that they're fired or you let them drop off? No, absolutely. We tell them. Um, we tell them. Um, we tell them in, in a very respectful way, and, and we tell them why. Um, and more often than not, they they don't take to it very well. Um, but but we do it on a fairly consistent basis. Why was the girl fired? Um, they said that she they didn't feel like she would be um, good at the job. What they said is that she asked too many questions and that she was disruptive in the class and she she just wasn't fitting in. So what would you do if all of a sudden those big clients stopped hiring? Because when you, when you stay in this business long enough, that happens, and sometimes you take searches you don't want. Do you think that you'll still be able to maintain that level of service and treating people like a human if you're having problems getting money in the door? I definitely think so. Um, I think, again, you know, profit is important and money is important, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Um, our company is based on honesty and integrity. I don't think my people would stay um, if all of a sudden we changed our values um, and started, you know, chasing the, the dollar as the only and ultimate goal. Um, I, I think and I hope that, um, that people here, my Pernix employees, wouldn't stay. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me ask a couple of questions. We'll move off from this. Anybody else have is there anything burning that has to be said that there was a good discussion before I, I got on? Anything? You okay, Marina, you don't like uh in fact you avoid uh, tell people on your website to avoid work at home recruiters. You say if someone's working yeah. out of his basement, uh next to his <laughs> mother's washing machine, uh with Dorito crumbs, you know, on his chin. Uh, stay away from that kind of person, right? So you kind of assume that anybody working at home is that person. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? 
Yes, it was definitely, you know, a metaphorical imagery that I was painting in people's minds. Um, what, I, what I tried to say is um, if someone doesn't meet their clients um, face-to-face before representing them, um, if someone doesn't interview people in person, um, if someone brokers CVs without, you know, picking up the phone and calling people, then they're not worth dealing with. So whether they do that sitting in an office, whether they do it sitting in a basement, um, it's, I, I think those are recruiters that need to be avoided. So which ones? You gave a whole wow. bunch. Is it people? Is it people who don't who send out a resume with? I, I'm in a basement right now. <laughs> Not only that, in my in my bedroom, and I've yeah, got Doritos my on my shirt. Where do you interview Me too. people? Why don't you got to get Doritos? <laughs> so that. I see the importance of meeting with customers, Marina, but not each candidate. I I can't do that. I've just this morning, uh, I've scheduled an interview for a candidate that's in Chicago and a candidate in New Jersey for my customer in Detroit. I've met my Mm -hmm. customer multiple times, but I've never met these two candidates. Don't think I need to. Um, You know, we, uh, and sharing from personal experience, and perhaps Skype uh, works well for you, I was referring more to recruiters that never interview Skype or they they hardly have a short, you know, short phone conversation and then just dispatch the CV. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got to get to know your candidates. Yeah, I know that Skype interviewing um, obviously is becoming more and more prominent. I have to say it hasn't worked so well for us. Um, We had picked up um, a couple of mandates in Toronto, um, but doing Skype interviews versus in person um, wasn't wasn't as successful. Um, So we ended up agreeing with clients that we would do the Skype, but then line up a few interviews and and fly to Toronto to interview them. Um, So for us, and perhaps because it is still new, um, we have a lot to learn. You mean, hold on a second, hold on just a second. So you mean your customers were interviewing over Skype, not you? We were. So we would do the first interview with candidates in another city um, over yeah. Skype, um, line up a few interviews, then fly to Toronto. Uh, mind you, this is for a contingency search. Um, interview those candidates in Toronto. Um, and At then your customers? For the top two. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That just seems like a bit, bit much work. So if we're going to take care of the candidates, the problem with having them come in and meet you is the time it takes, the time investment for them to come in and meet with you and sit down and talk and then continue, you can look at three or four hours per candidate. If you're going to serve your clients, you need to talk to a lot of people. How do you balance the sheer number of man hours it takes, or woman hours it takes, to get someone in, and then all those candidates that didn't get the job have now wasted their time, unless, of course, you've given them interview techniques and others, but there's always going to be more hours involved. How do you balance that? I mean, because you're, you're asking them to come in. If you have to meet them, you, you may lose 30 minutes or an hour, but they may lose three hours or may have to take half a day off. Well, I wouldn't say that um, they would lose three to four hours. In, in the greater Montreal area, I mean, our commute is not, you know, it's not, it's not a huge city. It's not New York. Um, of course, somebody that comes in invests more time than me sitting in the office. Um, but uh, it's, it's just part of the process. Um, They've got to dress differently. They've got to get up. They've got to go to their car. They've got to prep. They've got to get there early. They've got to rehearse so they're ready for mm-hmm. you. When they're done, they've got to get back. They've got to check their parking. I mean, there's a lot of time commitment to any in-person interview. Absolutely, and and that's why I think we want to make sure that the person, you know, is treated the way they should be when when they invest that time and come in. Um, But it's part of our process. It's part of the service that we offer to our clients that we pre-qualify as as deeply as we can. At the expense of the candidates. I don't think it's at the expense of the candidate. I don't think that interview is an abnormal part of the process. Um, and frankly, I have to say, I've had Pronexia for four and a half years. I've maybe heard of 
three candidates over all of those years um, that said that coming in for an interview was a hassle. I think it's it's an expected part of the process. Well, they don't want to tell you. Well, yeah, I mean, just because they, they don't say it doesn't mean it's not job. true. So, so to me, you need to be charging you, – you need to move up the food chain on level of position and charge a retainer if you're doing this much work. We have, as I said, we've started doing minimal retainer, um, but so far, especially um, because, as, as I mentioned, we work on exclusivity basis with about, it's, it's close to 90% of our clients right now. Um, it, it hasn't been as necessary. So you're exclusive but not retained? Exactly. And, and let me ask, though, if your customer hires someone while you're exclusive with them, not through you, what happens? Um, they can still hire on their own. So they can still obviously have an internal referral or post their own ad. They just don't engage other firms on a search when they engage us. Um, we haven't had anybody blatantly lie and oh. deal with another firm when they told us that they weren't. That, um, that we also offer higher guarantees again. Qualifier. <laughs> candidates lie, clients lie, everybody knows yeah. that. Um, okay, yeah, that's cool. Oh just wondering. But yeah, no, we haven't had that, that problem at least from you know from what we have observed. And we offer longer guarantees also for clients that that we've worked on on, on you know on a few searches with and uh, and that are exclusive. Okay. Cool. How large is Pernixia? How how large is your team? We're a team of ten right now, and uh, we're opening in Montreal, and we're opening an office in Vancouver in uh, July August. Cool. That's that's great. Do, do you think that's a reflection? Uh, you know, your your way of doing business is a reflection of your size. When you've got ten recruiters, it's much easier to have command and control and enforce standards across the board like that. I don't think command and control would be the best way to, um, you know, describe our management style. Um, I think it's the way we hire. Um, we take a very long time. You know, as far as cash flow is concerned, we could we could double the team right now, um, but we take a very long time hiring people who are service obsessed, who are honest, who have integrity, um, and who are you know passionate about recruitment as we are. Uh -huh. um, so I. I I hope not to answer your question. I hope to be able to come on the show a few years down and be a team of 50 and tell you that it's uh, still feasible. Cool. Great answer. Hey, what's Thank what's you. the average uh, fee in Montreal? I just am interested in, in placement fees in other locations. You mean as far as the percentage? Yeah. We charge 17 18% um, per um, – on, on average, more so as our minimum, unless it's a client we started working with four years ago. Um, but um, basement recruiters, as I so lovingly call them, um, sometimes charge 10%. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm a basement recruiter, and I feel bad now. <laughs> How much do you charge? Where, where, are you, where are you? Tw our, our fee is 25%. Where are you located? In in In, in a basement. <laughs> Where's your in basement? <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> Actually, in a basement in the middle of a cornfield. I mean, that kind of duck. Can I tell you, I think the market is also In a tornado shelter. Because I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I have observed is that people are more open to um, moving and relocating in the U.S. So when you recruit, you recruit, unless you're in a large urban area, um, you recruit from all over the states. It's It's quite different in Canada. Well, some you know, in some industries or niches, as we say in Canada, uh, you have to go across the country. You need to relocate people. Other mm -hmm. agencies, other recruiters, other disciplines are more 
geographically centric, like a Chicago-based recruiter or mm-hmm. Detroit, and they spend their time working with customers in that area. Um, being in a basement in a cornfield uh, gives me the freedom to pick and choose. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I go upstairs to... Jerry, get would you say if, if you build it, they will come? It's upstairs. Upstairs is where my coffee coffee pot is, so I don't get too lethargic. <laughs> Otherwise, I would just plug my coffee pot in right at my desk, and I would sit here slurping coffee in my basement. Your power bar? Yeah. Your power bar. Under my power bar. Well, no, okay. your power bars don't work, as we discovered earlier. Uh, well, not yeah. for electricity. They might power a human being, but they're not mm-hmm. really good for a modem, as we understood. Doritos are better. For, for, for I mean, for for sheer recruiting energy, Doritos wow. and coffee. Yeah. Okay, right. Animal, back to you. Back to you, Animal. Is he still on? I don't know. We still <laughs> lost him. I don't even care. <laughs> on behalf Mom of Animal, we want to apologize for the show going the way it did because Animal obviously. Uh, but you probably dodged a bullet because you know Animal's really rough on his guest. We, maybe he dodged the, bu- the bullet. It got pretty <laughs> heated on Twitter yesterday. Marina, were you ready to sing? Uh, were you going to have a song that you, you know, he likes to do a duet at the beginning of each show. Well, I was going to uh, nominate somebody else from my office to do that. I'm a god awful singer. A ringer. She was going to. Why didn't uh-huh. we think about this before? Doesn't Celine Dion live in Montreal? It wasn't her. I think she's in Vegas. She was busy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, good luck to you. There is no after show today. I've. Uh, I've got a lot going on. That's all I can say. I don't want to. I don't want to get into too much. Uh, I have to detail. submit someone that I've never met. So, hey, now, you do need to meet your customers. I'm sorry. Or let's just say I don't you know. don't. You I, don't I got have a check to. coming in a week from a guy that I didn't meet until uh it's, until we placed. It's we very in helpful. The same city. Yeah. Oh sure. I like to travel to places, so I like to have them fly me in to let them meet the team. Yeah. So you're retained hey. now, huh? Oh, no, no, I moved to contingent because retained was, you're losing too much money on retained. <laughs> Tired of customers paying for your time? Well, you spend two and a half months chasing one guy, right? And when you're uh, contingent, you can knock out six or seven of them. It's just a, a cost benefit. So what's with all these? Same clients. They just The, yeah. the difference in the check is 30 days if you can do it. Yeah. I found it keeps our clients on their toes better. I've got a customer that uh, it's kind of a one-off situation, so I think I'm going to do a retained search with him. But we we do like maybe two retained searches a year. I'm not going to do it. Is it the 10%? Well, when you do it, you're, you're doing it more for the uh, one to guarantee the, the money, but it also helps to tell the person that you're doing it retained. It depends if you don't. It's a matter of trust a lot of times. And yeah, and this guy is like the, he's the owner of the company, and that's all. Con, contingency when you're dealing with the guy who's going to be writing you a check from his personal checkbook, always very iffy because they look at everything as, is this really worth it for this resume? You know, right. I, normally I, I'm, I'm not working with people who are spending their own money for my services, right. but in this case, so I'm gonna. Hey, if you're working with big names, they they prefer you be retained. If you're not full retained, a lot of them won't talk to you. 
the fallout. That's just kind of the thing. It's the, they assume that it's at higher level, which is often true, but it's when you start getting six retained searches and, and it feeds 150 oh, before you start. That's goodness. the real stuff. I wouldn't even want to think about it. What a hassle. <laughs> All right, everybody, you've been fantastic. Rules. Marina, it sounds like uh, you're well on your way to uh, taking over Canada. <laughs> Thank you so much you've, for your time. I appreciate being on the show. Yeah, you've been a great guest. Thanks a bunch. Take it easy, everybody. Enjoy the week. Be there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can't be there.